Chapter Eight of Olga Romanoff by George Griffith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read for LibriVox.org by Craig Franklin. The New Terror. Five years had passed since the ethereal had vanished like a cloud from the sky, leaving, so far as the airship itself was concerned, no more trace than if she had soared into space beyond the sphere of the earth's attraction and departed to another planet all the rest of the winter of twenty thirty thirty one tidings had been sought most anxiously but in vain by the kindred and friends of those who had formed her crew during the ill-fated voyage on which she had disappeared into the unknown the earth had been ransacked east and west north and south by the aerial fleet in search of the missing ethereal but without result. She had been traced to St. Petersburg and Vorobievo, but there, like the phantom craft of the flying Dutchman, she had melted into thin air so far as any result of the search could show. But when the snows thawed on the mountains of Norway, and the bodies of eight Aryans who had formed her crew on her last fatal voyage were discovered by a couple of foresters on a melted snowdrift on the very spot on which Vladimir Romanov had been killed with his companions by the order of the Supreme Council, a thrill, both of horror and excitement, ran through the whole civilized world. That their death was intimately connected with the disappearance of the airship was instantly plain to everyone, and the only inference which could be drawn from such a conclusion was that at last some power, silent, mysterious, and intangible, had come into existence prepared to dispute the empire of the world with the Aryans, and, more than this, had already struck them a deadly blow which it was utterly beyond their power to return. The effects of this discovery were exactly what Olga had anticipated. From the first time since their ancestors had conquered the earth and made war impossible, the supreme authority of the Aryans was called into question it was quite beyond their power to conceal the fact that their flagship had either deserted or been captured incredible as either alternative seemed the central council therefore wisely accepted the situation and immediately after the discovery of the bodies the president published a full account of her last voyage as far as was known in the columns of the european review the leading newspaper of the day in the old world the only clue to the fate of the airship seemed to lie in the fact that at St. Petersburg a youth and a young girl with whom Alan and Alexis had made friends on their journey from London had gone on board the Ethereal for a trip to the clouds. But this led to nothing. Who was to recognize the daughter of the Tsar and the last male Zion of the house of Romanov in Olga and Sergei Ivanich? who had never been known as anything but the orphan grandchildren of Paul Ivanich the sculptor. More than this, even to entertain for a moment the supposition that this boy and girl, for they were known to be little more, could by any possible means have overcome the ten Aryans, armed as they were with their terrible death power, and then have vanished into space with the airship, would have been to shatter the supremacy of the Aryans at a blow. Even as it was, the wildest and most dangerous rumours began to fly from lip to lip 
and nation to nation all round the world and for the first time since the days of the terror the earth folk began to think of the aryans rather as men like themselves than as the superior race which they had hitherto regarded them the president of area at once issued a proclamation asking in the interests of peace and public security for the assistance of all the civilized peoples of the earth in his efforts to discover the lost airship and also conditionally declaring a war of extermination on any power or nation which either concealed the whereabouts of the ethereal or gave any assistance to those who might be in possession of her this proclamation was published simultaneously in all the newspapers of the world and produced a most profound sensation wherever it was read the terrible magic of the ominous word war roused at once the deathless spirit of combativeness that had lain dormant for all these years it was impossible not to recognize the fact that this mysterious power which had come unseen into existence and had snatched the finest vessel in the aryan navy from the possession of the council with such daring and skill that not a trace of her was to be found could have but one object in view and that was to dispute the empire of the air with the descendants of the terrorists this could mean nothing else than the outbreak sooner or later of a strife that would be a veritable battle of the gods a struggle which would shake the world and convulse human society throughout its whole extent the general sense of peace and security in which men had lived for four generations was shattered at a stroke by the universal apprehension of the blow that all men felt to be inevitable but which would be struck no man knew when or how a year passed and nothing happened the world went on its way in peace the aryan patrol circled the earth with a moving girdle of aerial cruisers ready to give instantaneous warning of the first reappearance of the lost ethereal but nothing was discovered if she still existed she was so skilfully concealed as to be practically beyond the reach of human search then without the slightest warning while anglo-saxondom was in the midst of the hundred and thirtieth celebration of the festival of deliverance the civilized world was started out of the sense of security into which it had once more begun to fall by the publication in the european review of the following piece of intelligence a mystery of the sea disappearance of three transports it is our duty to chronicle the astounding and disquieting fact that the three transports massilia ceres and astrea belonging respectively to the eastern southern and western services have disappeared the first left new york for southampton four days ago and should have arrived yesterday the central atlantic signalling station reported her all well at midday on tuesday and this is the last news that has been heard of her the second was reported from cape verde station on her voyage from cape town to marseilles and there all trace of her is lost as she never reached the canary station the third was last heard of from station number two in the indian ocean which is situated at the intersection of the eightieth meridian of east longitude with the twentieth parallel of south latitude she was on her way from melbourne to alexandria and should have touched at aden two days ago the disappearance of these three magnificent vessels 
filled as they were with passengers and loaded with cargoes of enormous value both in money and material can only be described as a calamity of world-wide importance unhappily too the mystery which surrounds their fate invests it with a sinister aspect which is impossible to ignore that their loss is the result of accident or shipwreck it is almost impossible to believe they represent the latest triumphs of modern shipbuilding all were over forty thousand tons in measurement and had engines capable of driving them at a speed of fifty nautical miles an hour through the water for fifty years no ocean transport has suffered shipwreck or even serious injury so completely has modern engineering skill triumphed over the now conquered elements added to this no storms of even ordinary violence have occurred along their routes after passing the stations at which they were last reported they vanished and that is all that is known about them the president of area has desired us to state that he has ordered his submarine squadron stations at zanzibar ascension and fayel to explore the ocean beds along the routes pursued by the transports until we receive news of the results of their investigation it will be well to refrain from further comment on this mysterious misfortune which has suddenly and unexpectedly fallen upon the world and in doing so we shall only express the fervent desire of all civilized men and women when we express the hope that this calamity grievous as it is may not be the precursor of even greater misfortunes to come it would be almost impossible for us of the present day to form any adequate estimate of the thrill of horror and consternation which this brief and temperately worded narration of the mysterious loss of the three transports sent through the world of the twenty-first century not only was it the first event of the kind that had occurred within the memory of living men but saving the loss of the ethereal it was the first dark cloud that had appeared in the clear heaven of peace and prosperity for more than a hundred and twenty-five years but terrible as was the state of excitement and anxiety into which it threw the nations of the world it gave place to a still deeper horror and bewilderment when day after day passed and no tidings were received of the three submarine squadrons consisting of three vessels each which had been sent to inquire into the fate of the transports they dived beneath the waves of the indian ocean and the atlantic and that was the last that was ever seen of them month after month went by every week bringing news of some fresh calamity at sea of the disappearance of transport after transport along the great routes of ocean travel of squadron after squadron of submarine cruisers which plunged into the abysses of the sea to discover and attack the mysterious enemy of mankind that lay hidden in the depths and which never reappeared on the surface whether they were captured or destroyed it was impossible to say simply because no member of their crews ever returned to tell the tale whatever doubt there had been as to the existence or hostile nature of this ocean terror that was paralyzing the trade of the world was speedily set at rest by a discovery made in the spring of the year two thousand and thirty two by a party of divers who descended to repair a fault in one of the atlantic cables about two hundred miles west of ireland there lying in the atlantic ooze they found the shattered fragments of the sirius 
a transport which had disappeared about a month before. The great hull of the splendid vessel had been torn asunder by some explosive of tremendous power, and more than this, her hold had been rifled of all its treasure and the most valuable portions of its cargo. After this, there no longer remained any doubt that the depths of the ocean were the hunting ground for some foe of society, one at least of whose objects was plunder. The President and Council of Area found themselves at last confronted and baffled by an enemy who could neither be seen nor reached in his hiding place, wherever it might be beneath the surface of the waters. Thousands of lives had been sacrificed, and treasure in millions had been lost by the end of the first year of what men had now come to call the New Terror. New fleets of submarine cruisers were built and held in readiness in all the great ports of the world, and these scoured the ocean depths in all directions with no further result than the swift and silent annihilation of vessel after vessel by some power which struck irresistibly out of the darkness and then vanished the moment that the blow had been delivered. As yet, however, no enemy appeared on land or in the air, nor were any tidings heard of the lost Ethereal or her captain and lieutenant. The Aryans had replaced her with ten almost identical vessels, and had raised the strength of their navy to two hundred and fifty vessels, one hundred of which were kept in readiness in area, while the other hundred and fifty were distributed in small squadrons at twenty-four stations, half of which were in the Western Hemisphere and half in the Eastern. The submarine warfare had now practically ceased. Nearly two hundred vessels belonging to Area, Britain and America had been captured or destroyed by an enemy which at the period at which this portion of the narrative opens was as supreme throughout the realm of the waters as the Aryans were in the air. To the menace of the airships, this hidden foe replied by severing all the oceanic cables and paralyzing the communication of the world save overland and through the air. Thus, at the end of six years after the capture of the Ethereal by Olga Romanov, more than half the work of those who had brought peace on earth after the Armageddon of 1904 had been undone. All over the world, not even excepting in area, men lived in a state of constant anxiety and apprehension, not knowing whether or how their invisible enemy would strike them next. The masters of the world were supreme no longer, for a new power had arisen which, within the limits of the seas, had proved itself stronger than they were. Communication between continent and continent had almost ceased, save where the Aryan airships were employed. In six short years, the peace of the world had been destroyed and the stability of society shaken. Among the nations of Anglo-Saxondom, the change had manifested itself by a swift decadence into the worst forms of unbridled democracy. Men's minds were unhinged, and the most extravagant options found acceptance. Parliaments had already been made annual, and were fast sinking into machines for registering the ever-changing opinions of rival factions and their leaders. Sovereigns and presidents were little better than popular puppets existing on sufferance. In short, all that Paul Romanoff had prophesied was coming to pass, 
more rapidly than even he had expected so far as the area of the anglo-saxon federation was concerned in the muslim empire affairs were different but no less threatening the sultan khalid the magnificent as he was justly styled by his admirers saw clearly that the time must come when this mysterious enemy would emerge from the waters and attempt the conquest of the land and for three years past he had been manufacturing weapons and forming armies against the day of battle which he considered inevitable and which he longed for rather than dreaded thus while anglo-saxondom was lapsing into the anarchy of unrestrained democracy the muslim monarch was preparing to take advantage of the issue of events which skilfully turned to account might one day make him master of the world such was the condition of affairs throughout the world on the first of may two thousand and thirty six and then the long expected came in strange and terrible shape at midnight a blaze of light was seen far up in the sky over the city of area a moment later something that must have been a small block of metal fell from a tremendous height in the square in the centre of the city and was shivered to fragments by the force of its fall on the splintered pavement where it fell was found a little roll of parchment addressed to the president it was taken to him and he opened it and read these words to alan arnold president of area if you want your son alan and his friend alexis go and look for them on an island which you will find near the intersection of the fortieth parallel of south latitude and the hundred and twentieth meridian of west longitude in the south pacific they have served my turn and i have done with them perhaps they will be able to tell you how i have conquered the empire of the sea before long i shall have wrested the empire of the air from you as well olga romanoff end of chapter 8